Welcome to the Just Love Podcast, hosted by Wipe Every Tear. We hope this podcast inspires you to just love and to love justly. Hey everyone, this is Lauren, and today we have our dear friend Andrew Green from the organization Ruja here to share about what God is doing in his organization. Hey guys. All right, so Andrew, tell us, how did you start Ruja? And really, what is the mission behind what you guys are doing? Yeah, so I guess five years ago, I was working as, six years ago now, I was working as a youth pastor, and God was just really overwhelming my heart with these scriptures uh, that talked about caring for the poor mm. and the outsiders, passages like Isaiah 58 um, that talk about how we can you know, sing as loud as we want, fast as hard as we want, pray as hard as we want, but if we don't care for the oppressed, the fatherless, the widows, then he doesn't hear us. And so yeah. I think for the first time in my life, God's care for the poor and the outsiders really hit home for me. And I realized that if I wanted to follow Jesus, and that was a part of following Jesus, I wasn't doing it. Mm, and so right. I actually just wanted to get out of my bubble and experience what that could look like for me. And mm-hmm. I've, I've never been really good at taking small incremental steps towards something. <laughs> so I decided to buy a plane ticket to Uganda. And went with six people that I didn't really know. And we were there for a month, worked at a home for kids who were dealing with HIV and special needs, who had nowhere else to go. And then we were we also worked the second half of that trip with a young couple on the opposite side of the country in western Uganda who were taking in kids who are victims of child labor and sexual abuse. And I was just incredibly moved by their story and their faith, their willingness to just risk everything and serve God, mm. um, regardless of the cost to their own lives in their own comfort and safety. I, I ended up partnering with that um, couple, a young Ugandan couple named Robert and Millie, who still to this day are just models of faith for me. I think when I look at people's lives who embody the kind of faith that I see in the scriptures that I see in like Acts, mm. they're living it like today and it's so powerful. And so that's basically how we got started. And we ended up, I ended up starting to just raise money here. And I was actually selling backpacks. Do you remember <laughs> I was selling backpacks. Yeah. I so I was hand making these backpacks and selling them at the district, a local coffee shop. And initially it was just a business idea for myself to kind of make some money on the side. And God kind of connected the dots for me and was I really spoke to me and just said, Why don't you use this as a means to partner with the people that you just met who are caring for kids? So I ended up getting in touch with them um, after I got back. Never had the intention originally of starting a nonprofit. But God just kept calling us deeper and deeper. And that's what we moved into. Ended up getting a bigger house so they could have the capacity to take in more kids. And one by one, we just started seeing God impact the lives of these street kids who previously were seemingly living hopeless lives. And we were seeing God just redeem them mm. in such powerful ways. And I know, I mean, that's, it brings a smile to your face because you see that too, right? On a daily basis with girls in the Philippines. And I think that's such a huge part of like our connection. And we work in different places and specifically like different fields almost, Mm -hmm. but it's like deep rooted kingdom work that we're both so passionate about. Yeah. I mean, we really are just pieces of the kingdom puzzle. That's what I like to say, but it does just make me beam because there are so many parallels in how God started Ruja and how God started Wipe Every Tear. I mean, Kenny didn't intend on starting an international 
you know, nonprofit that rescues and restores girls from sex trafficking. He just started eating rice and beans with his wife (laughs) and paid for, you know, one girl to be able to be set free and one girl turned into four. And that's how we started. So I love how it's just that obedient, organic yes to the father is really what he used to multiply this. So do you have any stories of that, of like, you know, how you got started and really, you know, the ways that you (laughs) had a sacrifice really to be obedient to what God was calling you to? Yeah. I think God designs each of us uniquely and some of us are built to be pioneers and to kind of take sacrifices and risks that way. Mm. Kenny's definitely that way. And yeah, I mean, I had that season of my life too, where not to like over-dramatize my experience because I always had family and like a support system who I could reach out to for help. Mm -hmm. But I remember dumpster diving occasionally. I remember sleeping in the back of my truck. I remember my, my old roommates will remember this. I was really broke during one season and I came up with this recipe and you guys might want to get your pens and paper out to write this down, but it's called the dirt bag special. And I literally just had these huge bags of rice, huge bag of lentils. I'd cook those up, cover it in sriracha sauce, wrap it in a tortilla. And it was like a meal that cost a quarter. And I lived on that for a while. So wow. yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely season of sacrifice. I remember not being able to pay rent moving forward and having to go to my parents, you know, everything I own in the back of my truck and say, Hey, can I stay with you guys for a little bit? Yeah. That's a humbling thing, especially in our culture to move back into mom and dad's. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of admit helplessness and not being able to make it. And so, and that was all though out of a desire to fulfill this dream that God had put on my heart and really God had put on Robert and Millie's heart in Uganda to see kids redeemed from child labor and sex trafficking and to see really the kingdom of God take root in rural Uganda. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. So you mentioned earlier that you said that you partnered with them and it seems like you really just came alongside their heart and what they were doing. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of times people think of me as the founder of Ruja, but in reality, Robert and Milliard was, they were the ones who started before I'd even met them. They had moved to Fort Portal, which is a city in Western Uganda quit jobs at a successful nonprofit where they had salaries. And they did all this because they felt like God was telling them to do it. Just complete faith. Wow. And I didn't have a box for that at the time. And so I just, I was watching, you know, as I stayed with them for a couple of weeks, just watching these kids that they that lived with them who were previously homeless, uh, covered in jiggers, which is a, like a parasite basically that gets in your feet mm. in Uganda when you live in unclean soil. They had bloated tummies. And just to watch, even over a two-week period, God slowly bring life back to these kids and watch kids who had been through so much trauma experience true joy and freedom. And progressively, not overnight, right? Right. We know it's a process. But that's a powerful thing to see. And when I saw God working there, and I saw Robert and Millie already doing that work, and I was blessed enough to have an invitation to be a part of where God was already working, I just really jumped into that. And yeah, partnered. It was it wasn't me pioneering that piece of it. It was Robert and Millie before me jumping into what the Lord was already doing. Wow. I think something that you and I have both discussed previously is how important empowering the local people is mm-hmm. to both of our organizations. And really this is kind of a word that's a little bit trendier now, but really yeah. sustainability in terms of nonprofits is really, I believe it's the kingdom model. It's coming alongside the nations and doing what God is doing through them. What does sustainability look like to you guys at Ruja? Yeah, for sure. So I would say that 
by nature and just by nature of our society and the world that we live in in America, it's really easy and natural to do things with like a colonial mindset, mm. right? Where like we come in and set ourselves up in a place of power and tell people what decisions are best for them. And that's not a kingdom model. That's not a gospel or a Jesus model. I believe very deeply that local leaders know what is best for their own people, for their own communities. I think if we can't trust leaders that with that, then it's going to be really hard to work in those areas. Mm. And so at the same time, recognizing that we both bring different things to the table right. and that together we can have an impact on those communities by partnering with them and learning from them better than we could if we came in on our own. And I would say that the same is true vice versa, right? Right. Like, I believe I'm a better neighbor and a better American, if you will, or citizen of the kingdom, however you want to look at it, because of my interaction and learning from our people in Uganda. Like, right. they've taught me how to be more hospitable. Um, they've taught me how to listen, how to prioritize family before business. One thing that always frustrates me is, or it used to frustrate me, is there'd be all these like polite, what's the word I'm looking for? Just conversation before we get into business, right? I'd get on a phone call at 11 p.m. Oh, yes. And I'm just like, I just want to get to the like the meat of this conversation. Right. But they would want to talk about, well, how's your mom? How's your dad? How's your family? Yeah. How's this going? And I saw that as like initially as kind of dancing around what we really needed to get to. But I've learned over the years, oh, they actually just really care about me. And so that's impacted the way that I don't know that I have conversation with them. It's impacted the way I lead people here. Mm. And so there's just so much to learn on both sides. But I think ultimately, when it comes to leadership in the places that we work in internationally, we have to trust local leaders. We have to give them the benefit of the doubt when there's a disagreement. Because if, if we're the ones making the final decision, then right or wrong, it's not going to stick if it's not coming from local leadership. Right. The humility that it takes to work in, you know, an international setting, yes. <laughs> it definitely, yeah. it will, it will sharpen you. And it sounds like the Ugandan culture is very similar to the Philippines because yes. it, the Filipino culture is so warm. It's so inviting. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we have new team members coming to our staff here in Boise, we have to pretty much give them mm -hmm. a not necessarily a formal training, if you will, but just say, hey, this is how you engage with yeah. Filipinos. You know, we can't just say like, hey, I need this budget proposal. How mm -hmm. much money do you need us to wire over this month? Yeah. It's a total different way of interacting that brings in the like the rhythms of grace of the kingdom yeah. of being in relationship and yes. valuing people over. Well, we're nonprofits, but really yeah. valuing people over profit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Before working with these people, I didn't know how to do that. Honestly, I didn't. And so it's really, it's really cool to be able to look back and say, I've learned a lot. So what I think is so cool about Ruja is that it's like a tangible display of how God adopts us as sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. And Robert and Millie really are acting as parents yeah. to these kids or young adults who have nowhere else to go. So how have you seen Jesus move in the lives of these kids? Yeah, yeah I love that question so much. I'll say this. Last night, um, we had a little worship gathering for youth. I work with youth as well. And we sang that song, Graves into Gardens. Mm -hmm. And I, I just couldn't be still during that song because as we're singing, you know, he turns graves into gardens, makes beauty from ashes, turns shame into glory. Wow. Oh my gosh. And specifically the line that said he turns bones into armies, right? I can look at each individual kid at when they became a part of our program. 
or moved into our home and see, wow, I that girl was Joanne with skin and bones when she showed up. And now, you know, six years later, she's just this beautiful, joy-filled girl who has dreams and knows confidently that she's loved by God, especially knowing how little I knew when I got into this, right? Like I had, I didn't have a nonprofit background. (laughs) And I look back at the process. I'm like, this wasn't a program that I instilled. This wasn't like a philosophy of education. It was 100% Jesus. It was the love of Jesus mm. that transformed lives in a shorter period of time than I ever than I ever thought was possible. This organization does not exist without Jesus. There are kids who are alive today with bright futures who wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for Jesus. And I can't say clearly enough how much Jesus is the driving force behind everything that we do. Like he has to be. He has yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because it really does take miracles in a lot of these settings in particular cases. Wow. So can you give a little bit of background to the situations that your kids have come from? What does child labor or trafficking poverty look like in Uganda Yeah. in these specific circumstances? Yeah, as you know, I mean, poverty and disease, child abandonment and trafficking, all these things are so deeply intertwined. Right. And so, I mean, most of the, our kids that we work with, they are affected by poverty, obviously, but by HIV as well. HIV is a big factor in Africa and specifically East Africa. I mean, there's been a lot of progress on it, but it's still a deadly disease that causes a lot of hurt and a lot of suffering. And so I would say probably 95% of the kids that we work with have had parents that were HIV positive. It's just kind of the natural domino effect of a parent dying because of HIV or one parent finding out that the other parent has HIV and so they leave. Mm. And then the one parent with HIV doesn't have the ability to care for these kids. Kids end up getting abandoned, living on the street if they don't have any immediate family to take them in. Like a lot of kids have family to take them in. And that's ultimately what we think is best for kids is to be with family. But there's that's not always an option. Right. And that's where we come in. So we've had kids who have come in off the street, who've been victims of sexual abuse because there's no guardians looking after them. So they're taken advantage of. We've had kids who are three, four, five, six years old and are being forced to carry water all day because there's no one to look out for them and they're being taken advantage of. We've had kids who are victims of rape within their own family unit. And so they have to be removed from that environment. So something's pretty similar to what you guys have dealt with, I'm sure. Trafficking is also an issue in Uganda, but it's different. It really is. I would say, and you can speak to this a little more than I can, but there's more of like a centralized process for it in the Philippines where there's like pimps. Yeah, there's the sex tourism industry. Right. That's the word. It's an entire industry. Whereas there is some of that in Uganda, but it's not nearly to the same level. A lot of it is people simply wanting to feed their kids the next day. So there isn't necessarily so much of an international demand as it's just local. I'm trying to put food on the table. Someone gives me a couple bucks. Right. And so it's not, and there are cases for sure. And I would say I'm, because I don't work specifically in sex trafficking, especially in the major cities, right? We're in a more rural area right? where it's present in Kampala. But I think anybody would agree that it's probably not on the same level as it is in like Angela City. Right. 
So to give some context for our listeners who may not have been to a developed country, I think it's important to say, like, in a lot of third world countries, there is a much more familial tie in their culture. It's pretty much expected that you take care of your parents when they age, Mm -hmm. that if, you know, something were to happen to my little cousins, I would be, you know, the Mexican, I would be expected to take care of them. And that's because there's not a whole lot of infrastructure for them. Right. And that's where we step in as a body of Christ is to fill in taking care of the widows and the orphans and Mm -hmm. the vulnerable they exploited. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that it's for us and it's an extension of the basic commands of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Who summarized the law as to love God and love your neighbor. And he broke down the false philosophy that our neighbors are simply the people that live next door to us. We live in a very globalized world where I can be on the other side of the planet in a matter of hours. And so all of a sudden, the group of people who I can say are my neighbors grows quite a bit and has grown in the last 100 years, 50 years, 10 years. And so I look at a lot of what both of us do is simply as loving our neighbors who are dealing with a lot of suffering, whose plight is different than if they lived in a developed country like ours. Right. Ultimately, that command of Jesus to love our neighbors and to love God is what we're doing. It's just globally. That's so true. I mean, we've seen the scriptures come alive. Love covers a multitude of sins. And I think in this case, it's a different S word. It's suffering. Mm. Love covers a multitude and the traumatic depths of suffering. Jesus's love changes everything. Mm. Yeah. And I think about the verse of bearing one another's burdens. These People are our brothers and sisters, right? They're family. They're God's children, however you look at it, right? right? And so being willing to bear the burdens of people who live on the other side of the planet yeah, is what both of our organizations do. Absolutely. So during this time where the world has been kind of suffering together with the COVID-19 yeah. pandemic, how has God been moving through Ruja? Yeah, so I would say, and I think a lot of people probably know this, that what our neighbors and brothers or sisters are dealing with in terms of COVID globally, in a lot of cases, is a lot heavier than what we're dealing with. It makes life a lot more difficult. It's created a lot of problems in Uganda, where for a long time, people didn't have access to markets. So where people got their food, all of a sudden was gone. Their food source has been removed. There's no online school (laughs) in rural Uganda. That's not happening. So that's a difficulty. Right, because... Most of these kiddos in rural Uganda are already behind in school yeah, yeah. anyway because it's such a challenge for them yes. to go to school if they're trying to provide for their family or just themselves. Yeah, the education typically isn't as good and they're already vulnerable as is mm. prior to COVID. And so, you know, these problems are not good. They're difficulties, but they've also opened the door for us to be able to love people really, really well and to be really good neighbors about a month or two months before the crisis hit, we were actually able to raise enough money to buy a vehicle for our team there. And the idea was primarily to transport people occasionally, mostly to school. Our kids go to different schools based upon their education levels and their specific education needs. Mm -hmm. But we've ended up using this vehicle every day throughout this crisis as an ambulance. The, The COVID pandemic has drawn a lot of attention away from malaria. There's been a huge malaria outbreak where we're located that I don't think it's gotten really any airtime on the news, but 
there was a season where the village was losing children almost daily because of malaria. And so with all of the medical workforce's attention drawn towards COVID, there wasn't really much attention for these really vulnerable kids who were dying of malaria. And so our team in Uganda, I can't praise them enough about how they just stepped up, put themselves in harm's way to save lives. And they did. They saved the lives of children who would have died because of malaria. They saved the lives of pregnant mothers. They transported the hospitals. We've just been, we've been able to deliver food to people who didn't have access to food, to deliver medicine to HIV and tuberculosis patients who don't have the ability to go out of their home for fear of catching COVID. Yeah. Because if they catch it, they'll very high rate of death in those scenarios. So God has truly set us up in the season to, and I say us, but I, I don't even want to say us. I want to say our Ugandan team because they're the ones in the trenches doing the work. Absolutely. And putting their lives at risk on a daily basis to love their neighbors and to show the love of Jesus day after day after day. It's absolutely just a picture of heaven. And yeah. it's so interesting that for both Wipe Every Tear and Ruja, God has done miracles and he has sustained both of our organizations and not just sustained we've been almost more effective yeah during this covid pandemic than we were before mm-hmm. god has really made beauty from ashes at least yeah. for us because we're able to see that we do not do this on our own strength yeah. it is god who who feeds yeah. these kids who feeds the bar girls it's god who goes into our homes and gives our women or your children dreams and visions in their sleep that brings healing to them. And he meets them in ways that we never could. Absolutely. I think I could look, I mean, I'm sure both of us do the journey that we've been on with our teams and organizations. There are multiple times where I can say, yeah, I couldn't have cleared that hurdle if it wasn't for (laughs) this being a God thing. Like Mm -hmm. if God wasn't the driving force behind this, then it just wouldn't exist. And I can say honestly that wipe every tear for us as an organization has been one of those things that have helped us get through, right? Like you guys have played a pivotal role for us as an organization. I mean, early on, Kenny was a big mentor for me, right? Like he had kind of gone through this process years in advance of me. And so when I would hit speed bumps or hurdles, I would reach out to Kenny. When I was feeling alone and people were saying that I was crazy for doing this, I could go to Kenny because Kenny has been through that for a long time. And so that was incredibly helpful for me. Also, I've had office space. You guys have donated to us for a long time now. And that's been such a huge encouragement to me to have a space where I can have board meetings, where I can come and work and focus and not be at coffee shops, where I can even occasionally jump in with worship with you guys and pray together for the kingdom to take root in the Philippines and in Uganda. And even, I mean, the two of us, like, it's been so cool we support each other so much, right? In so many yeah. ways. And like, we just pass money back and forth. I know. We financially support each other. But I think that's so cool. Like that means so much to me to be able to do that and to have partners in this kingdom work and just in little ways like financial support and encouragement and being able to understand each other. We can just say, you know, I believe in you. We got your back no matter what happens. That's just such a beautiful thing to be able to share. It is. It really is. And It definitely feels unique and rare and it shouldn't be. You know, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, what Kenny says, it's the abnormal normal. You know, we're not perfect by any means, but this is in a way, I think what maybe the original church looked like. It's sharing one another's burdens. It's providing for each other. It's 
praying for each other and wanting to see the spirit of God move in ways that he hasn't moved before. And when we're dealing with such traumatic situations and such precious lives, how could we not be on our knees before Mm. the throne? You know, we, we have to have Jesus infused into it, what we're doing. And that just makes a beautiful partnership when we have, you know, the same heart and vision. Yeah, absolutely. It's so great. So my last question is when someone steps in to the Ruja house, what can they expect? What do they see? What do they hear? What will they experience? I just got chill bumps <laughs> as you asked that question. If I had to sum it up in one word, and it's, it's really hard to explain to people who haven't been, but it is just this deep sense of love. It's the same love that has transformed these kids' lives. And it's just present in that family and in those spaces. And people who've gone on our trips, cycling through names right now, who've had their life cha- lives changed because they've been on one of our trips. And it's not because we have like this really cool schedule and like all these fun <laughs> activities, right? That is not how either of us operate. No, no. It's people literally just being wrecked by the love of God, where you can li- you can feel it in the room. Mm. And there's just been so many moments and I've seen so many lives just be changed by not anything that I do, not anything that I've planned or speeches that I've given, but by simply God speaking through our kids or through our team or through neighbors who live in our village. God just shows up because we want him to, because we seek after it. It's love. It's a a deep, thick love that you can just feel. Just love, just loving them. Yep. Can you give one example of how God has showed up? Like one miracle that just really stands out to you that just completely knocked you off your feet. Yeah. So this is a simple, this is a simple one. But for me, I think for years, it's defined why I do what I do and why we do what I do. There was a young girl who was living with us who had been a victim of some pretty heinous acts from within her family and had to move into our house. And she was being picked on by some boys. And there's this thing they do in Uganda in the education system specifically, where they say, if a student makes a mistake or does something that seems silly, the teacher will say, shame, shame, shame. And just like cover that person in shame, which is so opposite of the gospel oh, and what gosh. Jesus did. And so I get, I hate that thing when it happens or when it's said. And so these boys were kind of mimicking at this girl, what the teachers do to students. And they said, shame, shame, shame. And this young girl who had experienced so much pain, so much trauma, and so much really shame. Um, from the enemy after being in our home for a year snaps back at them just like so confidently and so directly and just says, no, I'm a child of God. And I got chill bumps then and I get got chill bumps now because yep. that's the transformation that we're seeing, right? These beautiful kids realizing who they are and God doing the miracle of changing how they see themselves. It's so powerful. And That'll get you out of bed and make you go to work every day. Oh, yeah. That'll that'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Yeah, we could talk for a very long time. So God is just, he's so amazing. And to be able to be a part of what he does, I think it's just the biggest honor. And, you know, for having one girl be able to know her identity after going through such trauma, to have experienced the love of God in such a powerful way. That's what it's all about, you know, transforming one person's life is worth everything. Absolutely. Jesus thought so. So why shouldn't we? 
Wow. Well, we'll end on that note. If you guys want to follow along with what God is doing, be sure to look up Ruja, that's spelled (laughs) R-U-J-A. And uh, we'll post a link to their uh, profile in our comments. Guys, we appreciate you. Be so blessed today and we love you. 